G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. The church leaders told me right in the beginning that they had felt that they were the forgotten people in Papua New Guinea. So forgotten by their government, but also forgotten by God. But there has been this remnant of, you know, faithful, praying people. And now they're seeing this blessing of, you know, health and wellness, but also, you know, they've had the Bible teaching. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have the conclusion of our four-part conversation with Sarah David, who's the founder of a midwifery charity called Living Child, which aims to reduce the maternal and infant death rate in remote villages of Papua New Guinea. As we've heard previously, Sarah's heart was tugged when she took trips to PNG and learned about their desperate need for quality health care during childbirth because mothers were dying. Today, we'll hear the amazing impact her ministry is having as Sarah shares more of her story. Once again, she's chatting with Eric Scadabo. So on that um, second trip, you know, I was dancing with the children and the woman mm-hmm. and... Um, one of the village birth attendants, she had this little baby who was five months old and her name was Caitlin. And she told me the story that um, Caitlin's mother had given birth to twins Mm -hmm. and then had died a couple of weeks later Mm -hmm. from overwhelming sepsis uh, infection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a preventable cause. You know, you just need some antibiotics Mm -hmm. and that mother would be alive. And I remember I was holding Caitlin And I just looked into her eyes and I just thought, you know, just remembering that story of Mm. Mother Teresa. And now when I look at that photo, a friend captured that that Mm. moment where Mm. I was looking at this baby. Mm. And now I look at her and I go, if I look at her, you know, by the time she's at the age where she wants to have children, I want her to have access to good antenatal care. Mm. I want her to have good quality care when she's in labour and gives birth. And I want her to be supported as she journeys into being a new young mother. And, you know, because many, many times I've just felt completely overwhelmed by the Mm. needs in the area. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I just think of Caitlin and that's what sort of keeps me going. So, Mm -hmm. so now she would be about 10 years of age. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I look back and I just think, wow, look, you know, look what has happened and what God has done and the doors that he has opened. Um, at the end of that trip as well in 2013, I remember I was getting on the aeroplane from the main town of Wewak to then come back to Perth. And I was like, I said to my team, because when we were there, we'd seen this helicopter fly over. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, if only we had access to a helicopter that could just pick us up oh, yeah. and then pop us into the village. So you wouldn't have to go on all those boat trips? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> on that terrible road and then the boat oh, and all that. Yeah. the heat and the, yeah. oh, you know, I haven't even 
mentioned the mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I said to the team, I said, look, can you just look around the airport? And when I say airport, it's just really, a you know, a bit of a building mm-hmm. with an airstrip. I said, just look around and see if you can see any business cards for a, a helicopter pilot. No, Nobody saw anything. And I got on the aeroplane and we were heading to Port Moresby. And I remember just sitting back in my chair and I'm just going, well, Lord, I'm now on the plane going back to Perth. And if you want me to meet a helicopter pilot, then you're going to have to bring him to me. Mm-hmm. And we're in the queue at Port Moresby airport to load our luggage on for the flight down to Brisbane. And this man just walks straight up to us with this cap. And he said, oh, I saw you girls in WeWack. What are you doing there? And I said, oh, well, you know, we're midwives and we were doing some training in the remote villages. He goes, oh, I've been wanting to meet some midwives. And I said, well, who are you? And he goes, I'm a helicopter pilot. Oh, wow. And I just went, oh, you can't be serious. And within five minutes knew that, I mean, he told me he was a Christian. We told him we were Christians, wow. what we'd been doing. We then yeah. went, sat down, had lunch together, waiting for the flight. And he was flying choppers out of Weewak. Mm-hmm. And he, he had flown that chopper that went over our village. Oh, okay. And he told me the story of how he had flown a woman. She had given birth to twins and the woman had died in his chopper Mm. when they were trying to get her to a hospital. Mm. And that had deeply moved him. And God had said to him, he felt that God had said, find some midwives and bring them to the East Sea Pick. Oh, wow. And um, he was instrumental to us. He was only up there for another year. Mm-hmm. Uh, tragically, he was killed in a helicopter crash. Mm. But uh, he was instrumental in connecting us to people in WeWAC who have been longtime, you know, supporters and helpers for us. Mm-hmm. And when he left Papua New Guinea, he left some money to Living Child and he said, I want this money to go towards you establishing Living Child in PNG. Mm. And, you know, that experience just encouraged me personally because Mm -hmm. there were many times I was on that plane going back to Perth and just going, Lord, why have you called me? I'm in Perth on the other side of Australia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a long way and it's Mm -hmm. hard. And how are we going to meet people? But uh, that helicopter pilot, his name was Steve, and I knew that it wasn't just me that God had called other people Mm -hmm. and that God was giving them the vision as well. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, that's that body of Christ working together, isn't it? Yeah. So it was just, it wasn't me having this crazy idea of midwives and midwifery care and training. Mm -hmm. He had planted it in other people as well. So that has been a real anchor in my life to Mm -hmm. encourage me in this ministry of living child. Uh There was uh, another time where, you know, we were seeing that the village birth attendants, they were um, growing in their confidence Mm -hmm. in the care that they were providing in the remote areas. And, you know, they were coming back and telling us stories, you Mm -hmm. know. 
you taught us that as soon as the baby is born to lift the baby up and dry the baby and stimulate the baby. Mm. And if it's got some mucus blocking the airway, to scoop out the mucus. And if it's not breathing, to puff some air into the mouth and the nose. Mm. And we are doing that and we are seeing babies survive. You have shown us how to uh, not pull on the umbilical cord after the baby is born and pull on the umbilical cord to try and pull the placenta out, Mm. but to get the mother to sit up and to push it out herself. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing that the mother is not bleeding so much anymore. So just these simple things that you probably learned in your first couple of weeks in school and midwifery school is having a huge impact, saving lives. Huge impact, Mm -hmm. huge impact and saving lives. And They were growing in confidence and they were wanting to teach others Mm. and they were traveling out to other villages and teaching those village birth attendants. It was phenomenal. So, this multiplying effect Mm -hmm. that uh, Pastor Yabru, the Papua New Guinean man, had prayed, I was starting to see that. Mm. And then um, we started to be asked to do some training for the actual health workers Mm -hmm. in the health facilities like a district hospital, you know, but to do that, we really needed to have, you know, government permission. Mm -hmm. And up until this point, it had been very difficult to meet anyone in the government. Whenever we went to their office, it was empty. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot happening. And anyway, one year, I just really, God was saying to me, I want you to go to Papua New Guinea on your own. And I want you to stay in Port Moresby for a couple of days and then to go up to WeWAC. So, Port Moresby, that's the government center? Yeah, Port Moresby is the capital Mm -hmm. city Mm -hmm. of Papua New Guinea. It's not a very safe place uh, and it's very difficult. Mm. Um, Carjacking and things, I've heard. Yes, it's one of the most Mm. uh, violent cities in the world. Mm -hmm. But there is this little missionary guest house. And I had stayed there once before. And so I knew, okay, all right, Lord, you want me to stay in Port Moresby for a couple of days? Um, I'll book in there. Mm. And I couldn't get in. It was Mm. fully booked. So I said to my husband, you know, in fact, I was getting very anxious and fearful. And he said, don't worry, I'll find you a place. Found me this little hotel and All the time, Richard has always been very, very supportive behind Mm. me. You know, Mm. there's not many husbands who would let their wives go to Papua New Guinea, Mm. let alone stay a couple of days in Port Moresby. And so, he booked this place and I went there and I met these women and I was, they were just asking me what I was there doing. And I said, well, I'm hoping to meet some government people from uh, Angaram District And they said, oh, well, who do you want to meet? And I said, well, I'd really like to meet the Angaram District Administrator. And she said, oh, he's here now. Oh, And I said, at the hotel? I said, here at the hotel? She said, yes. She said, see that man walking towards us with the red shirt? That's him. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, can you introduce me to him? And she said, yes, of course. And she introduced me to him and he said, come, let's sit down. I want to hear what you've been doing. He had only been the administrator for a few months. He told me he was a Christian man 
and he said, you are the light at the end of a very long tunnel. Hmm. And he said, whatever you need, I will help you. Wow. And now this is in Angram District. This is the place that's had the worst outcomes. Yeah. You know, in the worst province in hmm. the country. And uh, God had planted him there. The previous guy had dropped dead and oh. had been very, very corrupt. Hmm. Uh, there was a lot of corruption, a lot of money that was being stolen. And this new district administrator, uh, God really had put there. And uh, when I went up there, he then showed me the maternity uh, section. He showed me a house that we could renovate to get a midwife to come and work. And um, to cut a long story short, just another, you know, God just showing me that mm -hmm. he was going to make the way and he would bring the right people at the right time to be able to bring quality maternity services mm -hmm. to that area. Uh, it was just phenomenal. Even though uh, that man is not the district administrator anymore, uh, we continue to partner with him and he's been a, a key person for us in our projects there. You're listening to The Story. Today, once again, midwife Sarah David from Perth is sharing her life journey and how she started a ministry called Living Child. We'll hear more of her story, including the spiritual impact her ministry is having when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Sarah David, who's the founder of a midwifery charity called Living Child, which aims to reduce the maternal and infant death rate in remote villages of Papua New Guinea. Sarah has been sharing her life journey and how the Lord has been leading her. So it's been over 10 years or so that you've been involved and your ministry's been involved in Papua New Guinea and the specific areas that you've mentioned. What do you think is the overall impact that you're having there? Well, the people tell us that uh, they've grown in confidence mm -hmm. with what they have learned and are putting that in practice. So, they have told us that they haven't had any maternal deaths. Wow. They have told us that they are seeing um, healthier mothers and babies because of the projects that we've been doing around hygiene, mm. around nutrition. Mm -hmm. They have told us that they are seeing health services get out to more of the remote areas. So health workers who've now been to our training are now going out to those remote areas. Their confidence has grown. And also the impact is that we are seeing villages transform. Mm. They have told us that, first of all, their mothers, the women, have been getting together to pray to work together to try and help well, save Well, that was going to be my next question. Uh, obviously, it's fantastic about lives being saved and healthier babies, but also the spiritual impact. 
Yeah, and and so the men have actually told us that they've seen their women get together mm. and pray together, and then put into practice what they've been learning. Mm. And it's been changing their homes. And so, the men have started to go along to church now. Oh. And uh, we've actually seen, you know, and, and I mean, that wasn't, I mean, I didn't aim to do that. My yeah. focus was sort of on the midwifery stuff. Yeah. But um, their churches have grown. So, they've become more active. There's been a, a real growth and a resurgence in church attendance, prayer meetings. Now, why do you think that is? I mean… What's going on? What's the connection? I think for them, what they've seen is that their prayers have been answered. Mm. So, for a long time, they were feeling that they'd been forgotten. Mm. Uh, The church leaders told me right in the beginning that they had felt that they were the forgotten people Mm. in Papua New Guinea. So, forgotten by their government, but also forgotten by God. Mm. That's what they felt. Yes, but there were, has been this remnant of, you know, faithful praying people mm-hmm. and they have continued to pray. Mm. And now they're seeing that this, this sort of this blessing of, you know, health and wellness, but also of, um, you know, they've had the Bible teaching. And, and I mean, because whatever we do, we do it together with some scripture teaching mm-hmm. with some prayer, mm-hmm. prayer support, uh, building up the church, building mm-hmm. one another up in Christ. So, I think it's all of those things together, you know, mind, body, and spirit mm-hmm. yep. all together. And we've also felt very strongly that we can't just go out to those areas and tell them about Jesus and read your Bible and then leave, you know. Mm-hmm. When you see these needs, it's very obvious that there are physical needs. There are practical needs that these people have needed. And so, we've addressed those and then it's sort of spilt over into the the spiritual side as well. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but in our remaining moments, we want to find out about a special couple that's really helped you throughout all of this. Mm. Yeah, so um, on our very first trip, uh, there was a boat skipper. His name Mm -hmm. was John and his young wife, Gina. Mm -hmm. And she gave us, you know, prepared us food and, you know, boiled the kettle and brought the hot water and very, very quiet. Um, She could hardly speak a word of English, very, very shy. But with every trip that we went, John and Gina were always there. Mm -hmm. He rode the boat and she would help to look after us. She came to all the training, very quietly watching, listening. And as the years went by, we started to see that they, both of them, were sort of growing in confidence in their language. Um, they would sort of let us know what was happening on the ground. They were the key people in mm-hmm. spreading the word out to the other villages that Living Child was coming. They would take charge of um, hosting people coming from other villages because sometimes we would have like 2,000 people come wow. to the village yeah. for training and, um, and health That's care. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Yeah. And John and Gina just did it. They just took it in their stride. Mm. And in 2019, we wanted to introduce this um, project called Care Groups and it's a way of the community divides up into the households, into clusters of about 10 households each. And then each household has a, a volunteer, a husband and wife. And 
we sort of talked to John and Gina about this. We started talking to them in about 2016. And then all of a sudden in 2019, she said, we're ready. We want to start this care groups. Mm-hmm. And we thought, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, let's get started. And we started. And the first um, bit of training that we wanted to do with them, it's called Healthy Island. So it's cleaning up the village area, organizing the house, mm-hmm. basics on, you know, making sure you do your laundry so that your clothes and your sheets are clean if they had mm-hmm. any sheets mm-hmm. to stop skin diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, putting your dishes out in the sun to dry. And, of course, the sun would then kill any germs. Boiling your water before you drink the water, collecting water, mm-hmm. growing your um, food close to the house so that you've got easy access to food, especially for young children because usually their gardens are quite a walk away. And giving your children three meals a day rather than just one meal a day. Mm-hmm. So, just very simple things like that. Well, mm-hmm. John and Gina just ran with this. And within three months, we were getting reports that the village was transformed. Everyone was motivated. They were organized and that family units were being transformed. And... Um, as you know, they've then reported to us about what next training they wanted. So they wanted some cooking classes. Mm. They then wanted more about nutrition. So this has gone way beyond midwifery. Totally, totally. Basic healthcare. But, the, but it's it's so important mm. for yeah. you know, if you've got a healthy mother, you've then got a healthy newborn, you've mm. got a healthy right. family. Mm-hmm. And We've seen them, you know, we gave them a phone and they call me on WhatsApp and, you know, they they then said, you know, we needed a boat. And so we did some fundraising and we got a boat. And then care groups has expanded to other villages. It's now gone to five villages and there are six other villages who are wanting care groups because they've seen what has happened in the Mm. village where John and Gina are from. So I said to her one day, I said, Gina, do you like care groups? She said, I love care groups. And I said, why do you love it? And she said, because I am helping my community, Mm. not just my village, but the whole area. And so we've seen John and Gina grow in leadership, in team, you know, how to lead a team. We've been able to work with them and support them, but they have just taken absolutely every little bit that we've given them and then they've multiplied it. And so John and Gina just called me the other day and mm-hmm. they said, uh, Sarah, this other village called Kecton, it's ready to start care groups. We've already been there. We've met with the leaders. We've met with the church leaders. They've already divided up the village into their clusters and we would like to go there next week and start care groups. And then I just asked a few questions of her and I said, well, John and Gina, sounds like you're ready. And I said, we're here to support you in what you think the next steps are. And um, to me, that is just such a great story for us as an organization, as a ministry, is that in the beginning, we were sort of leading the way. Mm -hmm. It's the white people from Australia. Mm -hmm. But uh, now they are taking the lead. And John and Gina are bringing, you know, change not only to their village, but 
hearts, minds, bodies, spirits in that whole mm-hmm. river system area. And of course, when COVID hit, you couldn't go there. So having people on the ground was very practical. Absolutely. And you mm-hmm. think about the timing, 2019. Yep. yep. You know, so there was care groups and Throughout the time of COVID where we couldn't go up there, John and Gina led mm. care groups and it expanded during that time. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. Okay. And just to kind of complete our conversation, when you came back, you found out that you had won some awards, your ministry, and you received a member of the Order of Australia yourself. So, I mean, yes. did you ever think <laughs> that was going to happen when you started off on this crazy adventure? No, never. <laughs> Absolutely never. I could not believe it. It was crazy. Yeah. And I think um, for me, it was really God just saying, well done. Mm. And at that time in my life, I really needed that Mm. and I needed to hear that. And it was just so out there that I just, I just went, oh, wow, Lord, thank you. You know, thank you for this acknowledgement. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. It's a pleasure. Well, that was part four and the conclusion of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with Sarah David, the founder of Living Child, a ministry which aims to reduce the maternal and infant death rate in remote villages of Papua New Guinea. And it was inspiring to hear about the impact this ministry has had. They're helping mothers during childbirth and in other practical ways. To learn more about this life-saving ministry, their website is livingchildinc.com. .org.au. Once again, that's livingchildinc.org.au. Finally, we'll end today with this Bible verse, which is important to remember when doing spiritual battle, like Sarah and her co-workers have had to do deep in the jungles of PNG. It comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, which says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Our God is greater than anything the devil can throw at us, and he will help us overcome and win whatever spiritual battles we're going through. We pray that Sarah and her ministry will continue to overcome whatever challenges they face and will help more and more people for the Lord. Well, thanks so much for joining us for the conclusion of Sarah David's inspiring story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story, just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.